Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome once again to Cult Following, the podcast brought to you by four film-loving freaks in the heart of Phoenix, Arizona. I'm one of your four hosts for this occasion, Christian Moreno, along with Joshua T. Ruth. Hey there. Kirby Nelson. And Jasper Reno. Wah, wah, wah. We're explorers in the film and we're going to tell you just what we think are some of the under most underseen kind of hard to find under the radar movies that you should be checking out if you are into the category of genre film at all before we start that uh once again if you like what you're listening to find us on itunes at cult following and if you like it give us a five star review subscribe tell your friend we appreciate it i know i would begging for change so let's like let's catch up a little bit with what we've been watching since our last episode talking to joshua whoa me okay hey uh how's it going i uh i watched a few things but uh i think i'll just focus on uh one that's probably the best of the things that i watched Mm -hmm. uh which was uh the girl with all the gifts oh that's a really good movie we have a review of it up on uh on yeah that's awesome yeah I, I remember hearing about it from you guys and said i had to check it out and what i loved about this and if you have the rare opportunity to ever do this with any movie it's great is i went completely clean yes like i didn't have any idea what this movie was about other than the fact it was called the girl with all the gifts and i i got actually gotten this confused the reason i didn't see it earlier it's because there's so many movies that start with the girl something. Yeah, you know? I think I recommended this to you before. You right. thought it was the girl on a train. Yeah, girl on the train or girl kicked a hornet's nest. Yeah. Or, yeah, you know, I mean, there's just so many movies that are like that. And so I, I had no idea. But yeah, I mean, watching this movie, I had no idea what it was about. Um, you know, I mean, I the, the to talk about, I'll talk about just, you know, general premise. Uh, you know, it, it was definitely really awesome. Um, I was completely surprised by it. I, I felt that the uh, performance was a really great, kind of unexpected, like Glenn Close, you know, uh, in a kind of an unexpected role as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really dug it. It was, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's certainly, uh, you know, to check the movie out. I mean, it's, it's a post-apocalyptic zombie movie, essentially, right? You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, essentially, it, yeah. Um, but it had a lot of cool ideas. It, it almost seemed thematically to pick up a lot of the ideas from land of the dead um you know about the whole idea of zombie being um the next evolutionary step or maybe just the next thing that's going to take over the planet right you know not necessarily in terms of you know yes a disease but also this idea that maybe we're becoming extinct and that's kind of what's next and i really like what they did with that idea um i felt that you know, look, I mean, there's a million and one zombie movies, but um, every time you see one that manages to do something kind of interesting and different, um, that's always really, really cool. So, yeah, I, I really, really dug the movie for sure. Cool. What did you uh, what did you watch it on? Um, I rented it from Superstar Video. Oh, yeah. Ninety nine. Is it on is it on VOD? It's on VOD and it just came out on Blu-ray on Tuesday. My wife just finished the book like three days ago. Oh, she see, I didn't even was, know it was based on a book. Yeah, she said it was amazing, so she's dying to see it. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, I can I, see that being a great book. Yeah, I like what you said. I mean, I try to go in films without knowing anything about it. The only thing is I had read a little bit on this, right. and 
the very first thing for me was that I'm a huge fan of the game The Last of Us. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it basically sounds like the exact same It premise. is very similar in very terms similar. of kind of the methodology of, yeah. of the zombies and everything. Absolutely. Yeah, it just seemed very, very similar. But that actually, not in a way I was like, it actually made me more excited to see it. It's just every time I go try to rent it, it's out. And I still have not converted to the VOD cult that Victor leads. So I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm still so physical media based, but um, I really hope to check that one out. It's worth a trip. I'm telling you, if you just, yeah. just get out to Superstar Video one time, I, I mean, honestly, you live close to me. Um, it's probably about a 15 minute drive for you. Um, and if you go on Mondays, it's 99 cents. I'm just telling you, like, I mean, and it's two day rental. You can stack up and then return them two days later. Boom. Um, Drop the mic. Video stores. Old school. We are. I, if mine hadn't burned down, I would go. Mine burned uh, down too. That was mine too. We just you, we go to the one that's not burned. That, that's what I do. We've seen the. Well, I know I've seen the. Uh, I think Victor and Kirby probably have too. I've seen the preview for that movie like fifteen or twenty times because it was showing at Beyond Fest in L.A. when we were there. Oh uh, yeah, we showed that's up, true. I just know we showed up early for the Fabio Frizzy thing, and they were just, they had the the stuff they were showing kind of on a loop, and I think I've seen the preview for that probably 15 or 16 times. Maybe. I know. I feel like I've seen every movie that was playing at last year's exactly. Beyond Fest now, except for, like, uh, Dog Eat Dog and The Bad Batch, which I guess comes out next month. And that film from that, uh, like, Ghana film or whatever. Oh. Uh, the fucking, like, Mortal Kombat shot on, like... Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. If you guys... It, I, it was, like, a weird, like pre-show thing and it was like this like homemade like uh mortal Kombat ripoff from ghana wow kind of bladed yeah. it was like a turkish star wars kind of yeah a thing? like but it wow. was totally from west africa and i was just like this is amazing it's so funny and my I favorite think thing I saw about that yeah, yeah, yeah online i saw yeah. some pictures yeah well it's so bad better. it almost looks like it's not real like right show, but it's not. my favorite thing they do at beyond fest not to go to is a. Uh, this year they had they were showing the theme was kind of like Exorcist, so they had clips of the movie, but it was dubbed in like Italian or yes. something. So they had fake subtitles underneath <laughs> that was all saying you need to go to Beyond Fest, you guys. Oh, nice. They also showed that uh, kind of like the transvestite bass player singing like <laughs> J-pop, oh, and, oh, and, yes. but with all the fake subtitles and yes. stuff. That was that was rad. I, I really enjoyed the that one. Kingdom of Beyond Fest. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. It's always fun. Kirby. Um, I'm going with an old school one that amazingly we've talked about this on the show a couple times about movies we haven't seen and I, if I saw this I honestly don't remember as a kid but I finally saw Dracula dead and loving it. Oh my god. What? Wow. That, a funny yeah. story that is literally the only film I've ever walked out of in the theater. What? Yeah. I have that on VHS. Mine, oh. mine was I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Um, <laughs> Dude, and, I walked out of Inland Empire, oh, and uh, David Lynch that. was actually at the screening, oh, and I had to walk no. by him. Oh my god! And it was just one of those things where I got, you know, it's like, oh my god, you're such a douche. Like, dude, I hate that movie so much. I don't think I've ever walked out of a movie in my life, like ever. Yeah. I went, I went to see Orgasmo in the theater, and I was literally the only person left <laughs> in the theater at the end of the movie. Like everyone else. Wow. Yeah. Dude, that's such a good movie. Too. It is yeah, a great movie. I can say that I did see both Jason X and Bride of Chucky on opening day, and I was the only person in the theater. 
Oh, and it was nice. at like a reasonable hour too. It so, wasn't like the nine AM show. So there's something I wanted to add in on last week's podcast. You know how we all had like our collectibles. Oh that, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's a cool collectible you have that uh you know you're really what fond of? So you just mentioned Jason X, so I got this. It's uh Japanese and it's a uh, great Muda figurine and he's <laughs> wearing the Jason X mask. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. So it's a uh, pro wrestling horror match. <laughs> Not enough That's blood. <laughs> yeah, just had to had to point that oh, out there. Great, great figure. Yeah, blood. That's cool. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, I I mean I grew up on obviously like Naked Gun and stuff. I loved that movie when I was a kid and all the sequels, Hot Shots, all the kind of Zucker, um, spoofy kind of stuff. And for some reason, like the first couple scary movies I still love. The ones that were rated R and were actually funny. Yeah. Um, but the um yeah, I still have a little bit of a soft spot. I'm not gonna go see epic movie or anything, but um yeah. I will be uh but I had always wanted to see this and it actually was a review online. Um and I was like, you know, I don't actually remember watching it and the way the viewer brought up some of the stuff, um and the one thing I can say about it was that you know, it's the last film Mel Brooks ever directed. And it's interesting because wow, it's a that's super, true. That's crazy. yeah, it's a, um, it's way more serious than I expected. It's basically like, it's funny that, you know, it, it you know, it came out a few years after Coppola's Dracula. Yeah, so it obviously came out like in 97, 95, 95. Oh, 95. Yeah. So it was like, they basically, but it's like, you know, he's harping on that a few years later and stuff. And, uh, it, but what really it, it is, is that. It sticks to some of the Coppola, the Stoker material and stuff, but what it really is is a um, it's a tribute to Hammer Horror. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, the, the set totally. pieces and everything, even just everything is completely Hammer related. So I actually ended up enjoying it way more than I expected from that perspective. Like it's not that funny, but the one or two <laughs> or three good parts in it, I I fucking died. The best part of the whole movie is Peter McNichol. Who was oh, uh, yeah. most people know as Yanish from mm-hmm. Ghostbusters Two and from Dragon Slayer and stuff, but and he is Allie McBeal. Yeah, and Allie uh-huh. McBeal, but he, he is which he was probably on at the time, right? Yeah, he was, and he he's Renfield, and yeah. he is just he fucking gives it a hundred and ten percent, and it's probably the only reason I got to agree with you. I probably would have walked out on, right. the, at, wow. on the theater, but I um, but that was before I'd seen Hammer movies or something, so I have like a different appreciation now. So yeah. that's all I can really say. But I just remember the ads and trailers for that being so awful. Yeah, and they spent millions on the advertising for that because <laughs> I remember by my high school, like every bus shelter was like a Dracula dead and loving it. My God, I thought that movie was hilarious. The best part of that whole <laughs> movie is when he's having the daymare. He's at the picnic. Yes, and Igor's like, "Master, what are you doing?" He's like, "Look at me, Igor." I'm eating fried chicken, but it's sunny outside, and he just catches on fire. <laughs> no, I'm having a well, day, man. It's funny that the, the um, review, of course, I do. I've mentioned on the podcast several times that I love um, James Rolfe being the video game nerd. He's actually, he, does, he did a series up until last year called Monster Madness Every Halloween, where yeah. you cover different films. And this is one of the ones I missed the review. And everything that he hit on is exactly the way I feel. It has a great opening title sequence. <laughs> the Renfield is great. The, the the staking scene is so fucking gory. Yeah. Like, it's a blow, oh, blew me awesome. away. The hammer, set piece, and stuff. And there's just a couple little great bits. But, I mean, I, the one number one thing I can think of, and that's the last thing I'll say on this one, is that, um, you know, it's kind of, in a way, a, the spiritual successor to young Frankenstein. 
but it's not even close. Like no. in right. terms exactly. of, but it's still like I said, I didn't love it, but I, the things I liked about it, I bought the DVD for four bucks. I got my four dollars, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't there have to go. get, which is about the price of a ticket in nineteen ninety five. Right, so exactly. I didn't have to go ask for my money. You got back. a better value than <laughs> I did. Yeah. You, you seen Repossessed, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, what are your thoughts on it as compared to Repossessed? <laughs> well, being that The Exodus is my favorite film of all time, <laughs> it's kind of like. You know, I remember that. That was probably my first exposure to The Exorcist. And I saw it a couple wow. years before I read the book because my folks wouldn't let me see the movie. Um, you know, it's hard to watch. It, it really is. But at the same time, it's just you, you have to go in. You know what you're going to get. I mean, it's just weird. I, I think the most amazing thing was catching up later in life with all the early 80s slashers and stuff right. that um, Leslie Nielsen plays the straight man. Like prom night and uh, creep show, and it's like, damn, dude, you're yeah, scary. scary and fuck, creep man. show, yeah, she's like yeah. terrifying. But it's just so weird to think of him that. that well, that's you and know, he was a dramatic actor for like thirty years yeah. before. That's that. why Airplane was so effective because he was parodying that. Yeah, yeah. But it's bizarre. Like this is one of those things where, in hindsight, even living through it at the time, it's so very strange. Was the whole you know people just kind of became obsessed with certain characters for certain points in time. It's like, you know how they have memes now? It's like pop culture as a bigger zeitgeist just took a hold of things and ran with them in the mainstream. Like Alf or, I have to say, in the ni- early 90s, Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Because uh-huh. it, it was just like, I still remember when I was a kid watching like, a, you know, or this was right around the time that a Naked Gun came out. It was like this huge surprise hit. Like the World Wrestling Federation had a, the Undertaker disappear for like a year oh, or yeah. whatever. And they had this thing where they hired Leslie, Leslie Nielsen to find the yeah. Undertaker. And he did this like year of of like commercials. And he was pretty he, much playing the character yeah, of Naked Gun. Yeah, exactly. You know, just exactly the same. Just like I'm in Florida. I don't see any Undertakers. It seems like an obvious place to look, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was so bad. At one point, he was in a cemetery, and the Undertaker walked by in the background. Yeah, I remember. It was that. like very Scooby Dooish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah it's just Frank like that. Like, was it? But it's kind of like that thing too. The one thing when you talk about that, like the eighties and nineties, was definitely the era too of like breakout characters. Yeah. Like one thing I've realized online recently is how much you know. You think all the class stuff, Alf, Mister T. But man, I've learned there's like a huge like cult of Urkel. Like, oh yeah, I, no, I Urkel, like, Urkel was massive. Like, massive. well, no, I mean, like, I it was big when I was a kid. I ate Urkelos and all sorts of weird <laughs> shit, like <laughs> cereals I probably shouldn't have ate. But, yeah, uh-huh. made by Ralston Purina, yeah. which now makes. Cat I'm food. telling you, Kirby, it's because those people are coming of age now. There's always, oh no, like, I this, know that. You know that, right? There's that wave of nostalgia. Yeah. That's like once you get people that get to the point where they have a lot of disposable income, it's like that's the new hot thing. Like, I mean, it's yeah. it's been like N64 for a while. Oh, Oh, yeah. oh no! I, oh, yeah, and totally. each succeeding generation. I mean, we were obsessive like the '80s yeah. kids and stuff. But man, millennials—it's like absolutely Miracle. next level. Yeah. But uh, Dracula Dead and loving it, I don't see having uh, the same nostalgic <laughs> no. effect. Jasper, I started watching. Well, we started watching. Uh, what is it? The Thirteen Reasons Why. Oh, all right. Not loving it. I, I got to tell you, uh, I don't see. Maybe I'm not far enough in yet to get to the tear-jerking stuff, but I'm like, it just, it's really reminiscent to me of, like, uh, mid-90s teenager. Life. Exactly. Yeah. Type of, and I'm like, there's points where I'm watching and going, 
I really feel like I'm too old to be watching this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not seeing any tear-jerking coming at all. In fact, I'm like, I almost want to, not to, I'm not uh, making light of suicide or anything, but I almost want to tell the girl, big fucking deal. This shit happens to everybody. If any of this shit that I'm watching is what made you kill yourself, you you suck. Yeah. You know? Jesus Christ. Teenage suicide. But don't don't do, do it. it. Yeah. But that's it. That's my, uh, that's about it because we've had a busy week, but we started kind of watching I think mostly because uh, Kirby watched it. We just watch it when Kirby watches. <laughs> right. I understand. So. Well, I, I just, I'm trying to catch up with everything you guys are watching, so <laughs> I guess we're all just following each other. I do want to quickly mention, because you, you brought up like uh, seeing movies that you'd never seen before, mm-hmm. and you know we all have these movies that are on a pile of shame. One movie that I have never seen up until this week was um, Dead Alive. Okay. Wow. Now I picked this up at VHS. I, I know, I know. Obviously, it's like it's you a movie got it on VHS. How much was it? Uh, like a dollar. What? You got a steal, dude. Yeah. What? That movie's not on DVD or Blu-ray in the VHS no. if it goes for well, a yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. Okay, so I'm watching it with my buddy, and I've got an old CRT TV that yeah. I watch my VHSs on, and it's nice. awesome and everything. But everything I hear about this movie is that this is like the goriest movie ever made. Okay. Well, I watched this movie and. And then my buddy's like, are you sure we're not watching, like, a cut version of this movie? You might be. Uh, well, turns out I was. Yeah. So we watched the entire... The exactly. So we watched the entire movie, and then I was like, well, it was kind of gross, but it's like... I mean, the reanimator is more gross than yeah. this movie. Um, and then it was funny, because I'm watching... There was, like, on YouTube, I was watching this thing that was like this... It's pretty awesome, actually. It's, like, four hours long, and it's, like, Bravo's 100 Scariest Moments on uh, movies, of horror movies. And it's, like, on YouTube, the whole thing. It's, like, four hours long. And they were showing Dead Alive in this thing. And I was like, wait a minute. That scene wasn't in the movie. Like, there's a scene where it's, like, the mom's ear falls off into her food and then she eats it. And I was like, wait a minute. I didn't see that. And it totally turns out that I was watching a... uh, I was watching a, an edited version. You of were it. watching the forty-five minute version of the movie. Well, yeah, it was only it was like an hour and ten minutes yeah. or something. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about Dead Alive is we actually we rented that movie like when it came out. My wife and I did. We were dating at the time, but uh, we talk a lot about that on on our other podcast, The House of Freaks. About that was our horror education. Was every day after school we went to the video store and just rented a bunch of videotapes. Went to her house and watched them. Well, that was one of them. My VHS or even collectible, um, um, like Holy Grail, uh-huh. is the Dead Alive VHS with the screaming cover. It has, it has the cover, like an actual screaming cover. It has the cover of the chick pulling her mouth open with the monster in it, and if you press it, it screams. And that was actually the one. I mean, it wasn't the actual one I rented, but you know, because back then when you rented them, they take them out of the slipcase and give them to you in the in the jewel case, right? But, uh, yeah, it, that is my, like, holy grail. Yeah, I've got the VHS, and I also have... I have it on DVD also. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so we're actually looking at the, the real VHS, <laughs> like, the real deal here. In fact, I want to check the running time on this one. Because the other <laughs> one... Yeah, so this one is 97 minutes. The other one was, like, 85 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So you 12 wanna, minutes of gore that I missed out on, Dang You want to borrow that one to watch oh, it? Oh, I would love to. I will totally watch the, this. Um, You're going to have a new appreciation for it. Yeah, dude. Like, seriously. And it was funny because me and my, my buddy were talking. We are like, well, it's actually kind of cool because, like, now we get to watch it and it'll be, like, even more gross, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. So I tried to scratch that off of my uh, pile of shame and then apparently failed at that. But no, I'm gonna 
totally watch this. The gory and it's not like uh, the difference between like Return of the Living Dead three, where there's an unrated version, but it's only got literally like forty five seconds of extra shit in it. Right. Um, that this will actually have tons and tons of stuff. Awesome. And just because we are giving our want list for any readers or listeners who may have uh the uh speaking of box interactive boxes, if you have Frankenhooker. Or the Dead Ooh, Pit. Yeah, I will pay a lot. premium for either of those. <laughs> I, I swear. There's probably a couple more, but those are my two big ones. I found the Dead Pit recently, and somebody ripped the whole fucking thing off. That's that was a oh, damn no. shame. Yeah. For those of you who may have missed it, um, you probably have not seen the studio because we haven't taken a lot of pictures of it, but it does have a section that's essentially a video store. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I happen to have Dead Alive on the shelf in VHS. So awesome. Joshua will now review the unrated version for yes. us next time. I'm staring speak. at Con Air and Judge Dredd on VHS as we speak. Exactly. Yeah. We're all we're all about ambiance here, folks. Ambiance. ambiance. Yeah. Um, let me see. Oh. The, the one thing I saw I can't really talk about yet. We'll probably end up doing a, uh in-depth thing about it next week. But I saw um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 yesterday. What's that? Oh. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, if uh, if you liked the first one, you like this one. It's, it's There's not a dip in quality. It's, it's awesome. solid all around. That's all I want to hear. Good. Yeah. Perfect. Will we have a review up this Yes, and okay. in case you're wondering right now, you can actually go to Cole Following. You can uh, Adam did a review of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two. That's already up on the website. Yeah, okay. It was like nice. one of the earlier reviews, right? Awesome. So yeah, we have a, an abundance of content on the way. Boom, <laughs> boom! I say. So uh, we're actually going to get into the topic we meant to talk about last week before we uh, engaged in our elongated tangent on uh, collectibles and posters and all that fun such stuff um so last week of we... which joshua was actually able to get a response What's oh up? right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i you know i kind of let tim doyle know uh through twitter you know that we were uh you know kind of oh. talking about that and he he confirmed everything you said there victor he's like you know it was pretty funny he was, uh, you know he says yeah it's like you know the the people that were uh filming didn't even know that i ran mondo until i told them that um and uh and he's like and i and i think mondo would probably prefer people don't know that <laughs> i'm actually curious if you went and listened to the podcast uh he he at least listened cool. to that part of it yeah, i mean i told cool. him the timestamp, so yeah he definitely listened yeah he's... i didn't i did mean to add this on to the uh, 24 by 36 conversation because uh the, one of the main points in that movie that i made in my thoughts on that was like it's not a complete documentary at all you kind of have to know about this already right so I will highly recommend this documentary. It's called Just Like Being There. Nice. And it's all about the gig poster phenomenon. It talks about flat stock. It talks about the evolution of music posters. It talks about websites like Espresso Beans. Like how this became a thing. It includes a huge chunk of the interview. is uh, Of the movie is uh, interviewing uh, Drew Struzan. And how... It, it get this starts from a niche thing getting actual artists who made these posters involved in the screen print movie. Right. So honestly, this if you watch if you watch twenty four by thirty six and feel kind of lost, or if you like that movie and want to see something better, find just like being there. Um, you can get it on DVD. It was made available for record store day. I want to say two or three years ago, but it's fairly easy to find. You can get it on Amazon. It's not that expensive. 
Not on Blu-ray, it's just on DVD. Awesome. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, yeah, so we're going to talk about underseen, underrated genre film. And uh, this time I think we'll start the other way around with Jasper. Woohoo! Yeah. I've compiled a list. Yeah. You made the list! <laughs> yes. Building the list, guys. All right, so I don't know if these are uh, underrated or forgotten or not. These are just ones that, uh, well, one, a couple of them are, like, personal favorites, and then I've got a couple that uh, that I've seen recently within the last couple of years, maybe, or even more recently, that I just thought were really, really well done um, that I kind of stumbled upon by accident. And, uh, you know, one of those things where you're home on a Friday night and, oh, uh, what are you going to do? Hey, let's pull up Netflix. Oh, this looks interesting. Let's check it out. Which we do that a lot, and there's a lot of movies that we get about 15 minutes into, and I'm like, nope, <laughs> let's move on. This is not going to go anywhere, I can tell already. But, you know, we got a couple that uh, that actually did not disappoint that I nice. Really That's always for, a good for start. Sifting through <laughs> all of the crap for yep. us. Jasperino, <laughs> watching the bad movies so you don't have to. <laughs> the first one actually is not a great movie, but it's a very nostalgic movie for me. It's called The Boy Who Cried Werewolf. It's from awesome. 1973. Nice. This actually, last year, just got released uh, by Scream Factory on Blu-ray. Oh, there you which go. Why, which I was very, very excited about because I literally spent years and years hunting for this movie because I saw this for the first time when I was about five years old, I think. And it was on one of those late night Saturday, not Elvira, but one of those, you know, late Saturday night... Uh, horror movie theater type of things and i remember i stayed up late to watch it and it's pretty much about um it's you know it's from the 70s obviously so it's not very well done but it's about a kid that goes camping with his dad and, his, and uh, he gets attacked by a werewolf and while his dad's fending off the werewolf his dad gets bit nice. uh thus turning him into a werewolf so it's about the kid trying to convince other adults that his dad is a werewolf and he needs help and you know, he's a kid, so nobody believes him. That's awesome. But, I, there's really not, in my opinion, there's not enough werewolf movies. Right. I mean, really, right? I mean, there's well, a ton of vampire movies, but werewolves are kind of under. Yeah, they yeah. kind of uh, tapped out of that in the 80s with yeah. the howling. Well, right? this one's cool because it's the, it's the uh, classic werewolf makeup where he's more of a wolf man right, than a right. werewolf. And there's, there's just this really funny, like, secondary story. There's a bunch of, like, religious hippies camping in the woods. <laughs> the and, 70s yeah literally and there's this hippie leader in a, in a volkswagen bus with all these hippies and they're out singing with their guitars and stuff and then the guy comes along because he's looking for his kid and they have like the circle made where they're praying and they're like come on into the circle brother and he goes to step in and he can't step into the circle and that was like the one thing i remembered about the movie as a kid I was like oh man he couldn't step into the circle because he's evil you know oh. The other one was towards the end of the movie, he's a werewolf, and the cops have finally figured out something weird's happening, and he's running through the woods, and he's got his kid by the hand, and he's a werewolf, and he's got his kid by the hand, and they're running through the woods together, and I just remember thinking how totally awesome it would be if my dad was a werewolf, you know, because I was a little kid, yeah. so uh, I spent a lot of time trying to find this movie on VHS, looking for it on YouTube, and nothing, 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 and then finally... Last year, as soon as that Scream Factory Blu-ray came out, I was like, oh, shut up and take my fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And then I'm rewatching it going, it's as horrible as I remember it being. <laughs> exactly. But Which is always it. cool. Yeah, that's it almost would have been disappointing if it hadn't been. But what know? I'm taking away from this entire thing here is that uh, if I'm ever chased by a werewolf, I just have to find a bunch of like religious hippies. Oh, right? yeah, it's funny because then the cops are trying to evacuate. And the, the religious hippie dude, he's got like three different girlfriends. And the <laughs> one's like, you need to help these people, blah, blah. And he goes, me? What can I do? And it was just, <laughs> the line was just so horribly delivered oh, that it made it memorable. Uh, my second movie is She Creature. Oh, from, that's a really good movie. From 2001. Uh, I saw this when it first came out. I think I saw it on IFC. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, yep. I think uh, for those who don't know, around the early 2000s, uh, the uh, Stan Winston Studios, and I think Showtime, yeah. paid to have these four remakes made of uh, Roger Corman films. Yeah. And one of them was She Creature. The other one was uh, Earth versus the Spider, uh, Teenage Caveman, and How to Make a Monster. Nice. Yeah, and all of them are good, and all of them are very, very different. Um teenage caveman is directed by larry clark it's like if you want to see a weird vampire uh post-apocalyptic vampire movie made by the guy who made kids with that same exact wow. mentality wow you need to see this movie i will that say cool. that uh that movie was probably one of the first times i'd ever heard a deep cut misfit song in a movie nice. ever and i was like whoa they're do- they're uh Singing uh, when eagles dare in this. Like, holy <laughs> fuck! I ain't no goddamn song. I yeah. love um, the Earth versus the Spider one. It is actually it's what Spider Man actually would look like, oh. not the other way <laughs> yeah. around. It's like the horrible opposite. But they were great. But uh, tell us about She Creature. Yeah. Um, it was actually written and directed by Sebastian Gutierrez, who also wrote Snakes on a Plane. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Sold. Yeah. There Sold. you go. Guys, we got to end the podcast. I got to go. I got to go watch this. No, she could. It's it's a gothic horror movie. Yeah, it's very dark. The the way it was filmed and everything, it's really, really well done. Um, Pretty much these sailors capture a mermaid and they decide they're going to make it part of the circus sideshow. And they don't realize that her human form is not her actual form. And she's pretty much this giant fucking sea monster. Wow, that sounds and awesome. I actually have, I think it was McFarlane Toys did the No, Stan Winston Studios oh, actually made, made these toys. toys. I have the toy of it. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's it's like nine or ten inches tall, you know, and it comes with like a uh, dock with a crate and like netting and shit. It's really, Yeah, they really made well toys of every, of every monster they designed because this was kind of their way of trying to get into the McFarlane uh, mold. Yeah. He also made his own werewolf line. Actually, really? Stan Winston was trying yeah. to start his own property with werewolves. It was well, awesome cool. too. Yeah. But it's a really good movie because um, the whole time, you know, the guys on the on the ship are just like, ah, we got this, you know, hot. Oh yeah. Thing, and uh, they all they have a Carla Gugino is in the movie yeah. who's in Watchmen. Does and she play the she? No, no, no. Okay. She's a uh, I forget who she is. She's the wife of one of the yeah, like the shipmates or something. Yeah. And she's, you know, being treated like a woman would be treated mm-hmm. in this movie and in this time period. And she spends a lot of time with the she creature. And there's this like subtextual like uh, yeah. like relationship. This two start to develop. It's really interesting. Hmm. And this movie is actually shot really cool with it really is. neat lighting. The, the lighting and, and the cinematography is really, really good. It looks really expensive. Very, it, It's very moody. Yeah. Very, very moody. But yeah. That's a good pick. Yeah, yeah I, love, I love that movie. It's, 
And the rewatchability on it is very, very yeah. high. Like, you can watch it over and over again. Uh, my next one is called The Damned from 2013. Mm. This is, uh, I think it was uh, somewhere in South America. I don't remember where it was filmed. But um, it's a foreign film. It's all subtitled. But it's pretty much uh, this family's out on vacation, and their car breaks down, and they come upon this big estate where there's just, it used to be a hotel, actually, and there's just one old man there, and they're like, can we use your phone, blah, 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 and he's like, no, you need to go away, it's all in Spanish. But um, then they find out he's got a little girl locked downstairs oh. in the basement. Oh. Wow. And, uh, well, you know, well, then, of course, them, you know, the way movies go, we've got to let her out. And then it's like, oh, fuck, you let her out, you know, because uh, she was possessed by an evil spirit. But the cool thing about this movie is um, the evil spirit can actually move from person to person. Oh, so it spends cool. half the movie hopping from person to person and just pretty much fucking everybody up. Like, oh, you're my friend. Oh, you just stabbed me. Great. <laughs> um, it's got that. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Sophia Miles is in it. She is. If you don't know who that is, she is the bitchy blonde from Underworld. The first Underworld movie. Oh. That uh, jumps kinda. on the ceiling and makes like the cat sound. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's in it. And uh, it's a, it's a really, I thought it was well done as far as the uh, kind of dark turn of events because they go from we have to save this little girl to holy crap, we got to get this thing back to this little girl and kill her, you know, type of thing. Yeah. And uh, I also like, and I don't want to, I'm not going to give too much away, but I kind of dig movies where the bad guy wins. Right, and this right. is that kind of movie. I'm not yeah. giving away the ending. It's still worth watching, but uh, killing kids, I'm already sold. Right, right. But yeah, I like it. Uh, I like it when the bad guy gets gets away with something and kind of gets away at the end. So, All right. Uh, next, I have uh, John Carpenter's Vampires. Yeah, I love oh god, that movie. I love this movie. I Seriously. fucking love this movie. I think it's a very underrated John Carpenter movie. It's one that very rarely ever gets talked about when John, you mm-hmm. know. Because you go John Carpenter, you're going to talk about The Thing, or Halloween, or, you know, any of the other multiple huge movies that he did. This one doesn't get talked about a lot, and it's very campy, but I think James Woods was absolutely at his best in this movie as far as the campiness goes. He's so James Woodsy in the film, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, He's got great lines in the movie, like, uh, the premise is... Is that they're uh, vampire hunters that were hired? They they were the hired Vatican by the, has the Catholic Church, yeah. yeah. And they send them out to kill vampires, and uh, they pretty much can do whatever they want on their off time. So it's all hookers and blow mm-hmm. after they kill the vampires. So um, you know, pretty Praise much Jesus, the head vampire, you know, finds out where they're at and he kills the whole crew. Valak. Except James Woods and Daniel Baldwin, who's also in the movie and right. is amazing. He's so good in it, too. But they get away, and he grabs one of the hookers that got bit. Played by Twin Peaks' uh, Cheryl Lee yes. and Laura Palmer. And she looks really, really good in this She's movie. She's naked yeah. for, like, half the yeah, movie. It's she awesome. always looks good. Yeah. But, uh, it's so nice to see her in a role where she's, like, alive. I mean, other right? than, you yeah. know, Fire Walk With Me, you know? So, yeah. I mean, although, it's dead. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> although, it's really just as an aside. You know, Funko's making Twin Peaks figures. All of oh, all of the Laura Palmer figures are figures of her corpse. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so anyway, there's lots of good one-liners in the movie. That's one of the best things about it. James Woods. Uh, Daniel Baldwin spends a lot of time using his one-liners to explain plot holes. Oh my God! For, yes, the it's best amazing. one Amazing. Do, yeah, do, do, do it. Do it. The best one ever is they're taking the hooker with them, and and Daniel Baldwin goes. 
What are we taking her for? She's been bit. She's going to turn to a vampire pretty soon. She's going to be connected to the master vampire. She's going to see what he sees, <laughs> knows what he knows. And James Wood goes, yeah, and we're going to use that to track him down and shove a stake right up his ass. It's amazing. <laughs> I've heard Jasper explain this slide before. I That's love why it. I was like, it is the best. You know, and it's, just, it's just like the movies, you know. <laughs> Where they have to explain the science behind being being able to smoke on a spaceship. Yeah. You know, they're like, well, it's a good thing we came up with this, this blah, 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 blah whatever. Years ago. We'd never be able to smoke in space. Hat tip to thank you for not smoking. Exactly. So, um, all around a great movie. Lots of great one-liners. Lots of action. Um, My favorite thing about, about this movie is just, like, Daniel Baldwin's performance. In this. Yes. Because it's... I'm not going to jump on what you said, but just the fact that he clearly showed up to this movie like way overweight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just oh like, my God. And he's wearing like this oversized vest over just a like dress. a leather vest. Yeah. Over his like I'm, shirt I'm fat Han his, Solo. Uh, yeah. In his tight uh, denim jeans, you know. So there's a part where like, you know, he, uh, James Woods tells Daniel Baldwin, you have to get her to eat else the transformation will speed up. And then he has to explain <laughs> that to her. It's like, if you don't eat, you'll turn into a vampire faster. Right. So, right. But, but, like, so he, he goes to a fast food joint, and he bring, brings hamburgers, right? And I, this is just one of, you know, when you notice things in a movie, and they always, like, stick with you, because they're just random, like, why did they do that? <laughs> so Daniel Baldwin ga- grabs one of the hamburgers well, hang on, because he back. had been asleep, and the hamburgers were sitting next to him. Yeah. And he wakes up and takes a bite out of no, it. No, 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 no. This is right oh. at the beginning. He brings them, he, they're fresh, and he gra- he opens the bags, like, I got burgers. He opens yeah. one, and she's like, I'm not hungry. So then he unrolls the burger, takes a bite, and he's like... He makes Ugh. this face like... Like the he ham- ate shit. Like it was full of shit. Like it's just like... <laughs> and he spits it Literally back. spits it out and refolds the burger and puts it back in the bag. <laughs> like, you totally think he was thinking like, oh, these must be fresh burgers. I'm kind of hungry. I'm going to eat awesome. during this take. Right. <laughs> so there's a great scene at the end where uh, the whole premise is... <sighs> That uh, Valak, the main vampire, is after this cross that would make him so he could walk in the sunlight. Well, at the end of the movie, James Woods has the cross, and he stakes him with it, but he misses. So the cross is sticking out of him, and he proceeds to beat the shit out of James Woods with the cross while it's sticking out of his body. Right. It's amazing. And he's a really cool vampire, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, say. totally. Yeah, they're, it, it's it's weird because, like, I would say if you want to have, like, because for a while it seemed like this was a genre that was happening, but I think it's only like two movies: this and Near Dark, the West, the Southwestern yes, vampire. I love it. I and love like, that. yeah, like there's a part where she's explaining like what's happening to them, and like he's coming, and then shows like just the desert, yeah. and they're just coming they out. Just of, rise they out don't have great coffins or yeah. anything, and they're just all dirty. You know. I remember I had the Fangoria issue of that when it came out, and I was reading the interview, and the actors were saying. They literally covered them with dirt and then yelled action, and they had to come up one by one. And the like, the last two dudes were like, we were suffocating literally underground because oh we were God. literally wow. buried alive, wow. and we had to dig ourselves out. Wow. But, yeah, I, it was pretty cool. There is also Sundown, the vampire in retreat. That's uh, more of a funny with Bruce Campbell and stuff. Yeah, right, but right. there is not enough vampire. I mean, it's because it's, it is, what do you call it? Um, you know, vampires, why would you want to be in the sunniest? That's why 30 Days a Night works so well. Right. But that's well, what I was going to say. What was, it is, is, that is, it's just going against the trope, trope which makes yeah. it interesting. No, like, it does. But that's um, that was what I was going to say about the vampires. It was one of the last scary vampire 
movies I remember seeing mainstream. Yeah. Well, Thirty Days of Night, night like I to- like was such a good concept, and the movie was so bad. It's... I, I like the first half hour of that movie. I think is fantastic. Yeah, the know? overhead shot is probably one of my five favorite film, five favorite shots in cinema. I history. will say this: the open. I saw this movie at the um, at Center Point back when it was Harkins owned it. But for those who don't know, here in Tempe, there's a theater. Right on Mill Avenue, that's been owned by every movie company ever. <laughs> yeah, but true. at this time, it was owned by Harkins, and it was like a fucking rundown ass theater. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're watching Thirty Days of Night in there in the beginning, you know, in the snow and everything. There's no sound, and I'm thinking, wow, this is a really interesting choice, and it works. In like ten minutes, no sound, right? It's <laughs> only when a character started talking, and I'm right. like, oh, that's... the movie's broken. Yeah. But other than that, like I didn't notice for like ten minutes, like yeah. it works because yeah. it was artsy. It was like, yeah, oh, yeah, this is interesting. Uh, but you know why the beginning of the movie was so great? Because the way they set it up, you knew something was coming. Oh yeah, that's because the thing. you knew what you were there to see. Yeah, but it, it, the way that it started out, you were like, these people have no idea. Yeah. What the fuck's about to happen? Yeah. Like, that's one of my favorite yeah. things in film is when you have just that impending doom. You know yeah. it's coming. It's like the, you know, it's like the the Hitchcock thing, right? Of the bomb under the table, and you know, you show the people the bomb under the table. Yeah. So you know that this stuff's going to happen. Exactly. You know this is a vampire movie, and you know these people are going to get stuck here, yeah. and it's going to be night, and it's going to be dinner time. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love that one. But yeah, uh, vampires is a great pick, man. John Carpenter's vampires. I mean, what a cool idea! Even the main concept of like going to a hive. And like putting attaching ropes to these guys and yeah. then just pulling them out into the sunlight. Yeah. Well, I read the the the, the it was actually based on a book called Vampires by John Steakley, mm-hmm. and I actually read the book. In the book, they didn't even do that. They would show up like in the beginning of the book. They were all hiding out in this warehouse. They went and got a fucking crane and just dismantled the warehouse in the middle of the day. Smart idea from around, and all yep. the vampires just blew up when yeah. the sunlight. I love happened. that. Yeah. You know? All right, I have one more, and then I'm done. Uh, last one is they're watching from uh, 2016. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, this is uh, it's got Bridget Branagh in it. If, uh, she, oh, I remember Bridget Branagh. She, she played, was on uh, Kindred: The Embrace. Yes, and she was Speaking also a great vampire show. Exactly, I have that uh, White Wolf set. for Life. Son. <laughs> she also was in uh, Angel. She was Wesley's girlfriend for a little while on the Angel TV series. Yes. But, in this movie, she plays the wife of a well-known soccer player, and uh, she's on this show about home improvement. So there, he's an American soccer player, but they move to Spain, where she buys this little villa, and he's gone for you know ten months out of the year or whatever, and she's there by herself. And it's a rundown, gutted-out villa, and she's going to redecorate it. So they do you know an opening shot of the show, and they're like, "We'll be back." You know, in a year's time to see what's happened. So they come back in a year, and she's got the thing really done up nicely, and she's redecorated the house. And you know, they're they're doing a reality show about it. Well, come to find out, the the villagers don't want her there. She's in this really small village, and it's called they're watching because every time you look in the woods, like half the village is standing in the woods, just like staring. Uh, And they're like, "You have to go. You have to go." And um, weird shit starts happening and people start dying and you're convinced that uh, it's the villagers but it's it's just like the other movie the villagers wanted you out of there for your own safety there was some crazy shit going on in the basement involving a witch that they had executed a hundred years ago 
and wow. uh, it's it everything just kind of goes to shit. And it's a great movie. I don't want to give too much away, but check that out. It's nice. called They're Watching. Uh, and and do you was, know where that one's available at all? Uh, I watched it on Netflix. <laughs> on Netflix? I, I think it's probably still on there. Cool. So, and I, I'm pretty sure, I know for a fact The Damned, you can get it on a DVD because I actually picked that up um, when, uh, oh, crap. Who was going on? Who went out of business recently? Oh, that? Video uh, Paradise. Video Paradise. Not Video Paradise. Oh, like, FYE. FYE. I, yeah. I picked that up at FYE for like a dollar fifty when uh, they were going out of business. So yeah, we all scavenged FYE. Pretty oh hell good. yeah, we did. Yeah. These uh, <laughs> our podcast studio tables are from FYE. <laughs> <laughs> keeping keeping uh, movie culture alive in some form or another. Right. Yep, that's my list. There nice, you go. good man. list. Good man. picks. Thanks. Um. Yeah. So <laughs> this is like okay. Let me try to pare this down as much as humanly possible. Right. It's pretty much. It is so difficult. The one thing I will say first is that I'm gonna skip over a lot because I feel like with newer um labels and releases like Arrow and Vestron Collection, like some of my favorite movies. I used to say like Waxwork and um house and i had a bunch of other ones of course i'm afraid night of the creeps and stuff um so many of these have been released now that i think most people know them i mean i'm largely gonna pick horror films because it's what i love i mean i i thought of some other genre picks but i'm just gonna go through them and i kind of just subdivide these into some categories to help speed along i'm gonna say first is is that i really enjoyed um uh, victor and i actually both have talked about our first time coming here so we went to a lot of the um international horn sci-fi fest especially the earlier ones uh-huh. and so i saw a lot of like independent short films and three that i really enjoyed that i just want to bring up that are some of my favorites that i feel like some people talk about but i don't see enough love for is um the first one is found which is one of my favorite movies i've seen in like the last five to ten years um i feel like it got a lot of coverage on the internet um we've talked about the studio that helped make bandit pictures they also did harvest lake um headless which is actually the film within the film in found and uh they just recently did a new one called plank face and um i really i just i think found is just unbelievably good for an independent picture and i um i just love it i um again just for the the sake of time i'm gonna go through some of these pretty fast um another one that i think because it got a wide release as did found is absentia um which is more of like a dramatic horror film hmm. is the best way I could describe it. It's very old school. It's very heavy on atmosphere, very slow, not a lot of action until the very end, and even then it's not. But, is that a pretty recent? Like It, uh, also it was found... probably like 2010 or 2011, okay. I think, when I saw it. But um, you can get it. Um, uh, what Doug Jones makes a, a very small appearance in it, but um, just a great independent feature. And then one... I never hear anyone talk about is a film called Shelter. It's S H E L L T E R. Okay. Um, which is like the idea of a post apocalyptic film, but it's basically uh, a film without any real budget. It's shot within like three or four rooms. Like that's the oh, entire weird. movie. Wow. Um, so that's pretty hard to keep even like an 85 minute running time in that amount. But 
man, was this film fucking tense when and I watched it. It's unusual for yeah. post-apocalyptic films to yeah. be, you know, kind of so fishbowl like that, right? Yeah, instead of being like, I mean... It, there people... was one I saw like that uh, last year. It's called uh, Z is for Zachariah. Mm-hmm. And it has um, Chewie Tell AGO for who oh, played uh, Baron Mordo and Doctor Strange and yeah. um, the main bad guy in Serenity. And it has Chris Pine and Margot Robbie. And they're all living in the post. It's all in the post-apocalypse. It's just the three of them in the whole movie. Is it good? It's it's good. It's interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think this really works as um. I actually kind of reminds me of basically if you were to get to the core elements of Day of the Dead, right. that's kind of what this film is with basically just two cast members. Um. So I really enjoyed that. Um. I'm gonna go through um one of my all-time favorites. I'm gonna kick it up a little bit for some old school. Um, my favorite is basically like of the supernatural slasher kind of genre that I literally no one ever talks about this movie. And it's one of my all time favorite child films, and I still love it just as much today. Is Neon Maniacs? <laughs> um, it was released by Anchor Bay. It was an old lightning video. Um, I actually uh, one of the reasons I went to Beyond Fest this year was because they were showing it in thirty five millimeter, and one of the producer's sons came out with the creatures' um weapons and costumes. And it was just amazing. Um, it's basically uh, you know an old 80s film where these creatures come out at night in the San Francisco Bay Area. And um, they hunt. This girl lives through an attack. And they basically just hunt her through the rest of the film. But it's just fun. It's hilarious. It's very dated in a lot of respects. But it's just timeless. Didn't Arrow or Screen Factory just re-release that? I don't think either of them have yet to my knowledge. But it, there was an Anchor Bay release. Um... Uh, years ago um it's also one of the very first appearances of andrew divoff who played the Jin in wishmaster nice. um he plays one of the creatures in this um just fun um we kind of i think we touch on a little bit or i it's funny you just had a lot of conversations just because of new and upcoming projects from inspired by this writer is um i find the most underrated film that always oh, because we talked about nightmares and dreamscapes right was, right I find the most underrated Stephen King adaption that no one talks about is the Night Flyer, with That's the um, recently departed um, Miguel Ferrier, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's because it's owned by the same uh, same company I think uh, that owns uh, Dawn of the Dead, so uh, the seventy eight version. So it's very expensive to license, so no one ever screens. Yeah, it it's um, it is, and that means it's TV. also not available yeah, on D. Yeah, it's gone out of print for years. Yeah. I actually have three copies of it just because I love it that much. So if anybody really wants one, man, I'd be happy to to, to share the love. But um, I just wanted it to be a great also um, for my pick of a vampire right. film. Unusual I, amazing. Vampire movie. The only yeah. problem with this film is you know you talked about in the beginning like not knowing anything about it. They really fucked up with this movie because they put the creature who is Renfield from the Dracula mythos and. They put him on the cover in his full prosthetics, yeah. and I'm telling you, in the film, it doesn't. You don't see him till the very end, and the reveal in it is so fucking out of control. Like it's it's shocking, but it has one of the best things. Also, Jasper's comment where it's not everything works out perfectly in right. the end. Well, I think they did that on the video cover, thinking that it would sell more copies. Oh no, so without a doubt, always, you know, it was video. It but I remember this when that um. They were showing that on HBO when uh, I was working a graveyard shift somewhere, and I would come home like at twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning, and just watch TV for a few hours before I went to sleep. And I probably watched that movie three nights in a row, 
Like I watched it the first night and it was so good. I went to work the next day and I was talking to one of the guys I worked with. I'm like, dude, have you watched Nightfly? He's like, oh my God. And we talked about it. And then I watched it again that night and then I watched like three nights in a row. It was that rewatchable to me. Yeah. yeah it it's it's excellent, just, excellent it, movie. It's incredible. Um, I get a lot of questions sometimes, people, because of all the movies I've seen, obviously, especially horror and a lot of the, the confines. And people always want to talk about, you know, one of the big questions, you know, what the scariest movie you've seen or what's the most, like, disturbing movie you've seen and you know a lot of people want to bring up these like kind of ifc midnight movies and stuff <laughs> like the serbian film and things like sure. that it's like two films have actually completely unsettled me they're both rather new and i just want to point them out real quick and i'll leave it that's the cell line is those two movies is there was a movie released on the dimension extreme line called eden lake it's a british or an irish movie i yeah. think it's irish but um jesus i mean like fucking nerve-wracking like hopeless movie. film yeah, yeah an absolutely desolate movie i mean it mm-hmm. is so it's so real is what really got to me about it um and then actually based on a true story um for anyone who's seen lucky mckee stuff is the girl next door not oh, the one yeah. with uh what's her name <laughs> uh, uh alicia Cuthbert. yeah alicia Cuthbert. Yeah. But, 24 yeah, is alicia Cuthbert. yeah this is um I, I it's it's I fucking want to take a shower after watching it. Well, believe and then, it or not, the uh, book. My, yeah. my wife read the book. The book yeah, is even the book worse. is even worse. Yeah. I can say that too. Um, and if you read the case study about it, the case that inspired it, and I love true crime, and I rarely ever turn away from a story, but it's even more unsettling. Um, I, I like dramatic horror or films that have dramatic elements because I think good horror is el- drama, and good drama is horror. Um, two films I also don't see a lot of talk about from the seventies are. The movie Rituals with Hal Holbrook um, is wow, um, great. Yeah, it was released by Code Red a while ago. I think Arrow has a, a copy of it too. But um, just such a harrowing movie, um, especially for the backwoods. I like a lot of the woods movies, The Deliverance, Just Before Dawn, etc. I really enjoy those. And the other one is a, a Vietnam vet story. One of the first ones when the war was still going on was is the movie Death Dream which was directed by Bob Clark, who did Black Christmas and Porky's and Christmas Story oh, wow. and stuff. And it actually has early effects. It's one of Tom Steeny's first films. Nice. And also, just an incredible movie. Um, I'm just going to keep, like I said, going along. I've only got a couple quick ones here. Um, just because we talked about Lovecraft films, one of the ones that it misses the mark and stuff in some respects and obviously rewrites things and would have been... I, I would have preferred it if it had been in the Yuzna gordon family if they had made in the 80s with jeffrey um uh combs but i love dagon which is based on my favorite oh yeah i have that yeah my based on my favorite lovecraft story which is the shower insmith so um definitely check that one out that was a one i actually just came across in a hollywood video like 16 17 years ago and um fell in love with you just got that didn't you victor did you just pick that up on vhs what Dagon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like not too long ago. And one I know that Victor is a huge fan of, um, and I love too. Probably one of the most bizarre movies, but I feel it's not intentionally bizarre. It just, the story is so fucking strange, is De La Morte, De La Mort. Oh, um, yeah, that one was which on my list. is just, yeah. So I'll let Victor talk about that one. No, no, uh, you can go no, ahead. No, no, I have other stuff. Yeah, it's just a, uh, Rupert Everett, it's just an absolutely one of the most bizarre movies I've ever seen, but it's so endearing and it's so funny and interesting and weird and just, I, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Um, quick shout, because I love horror anthologies. 
and I'm dead serious. I feel like this one, like when it was released, was played as a joke and was kind of um. I mean, I feel it was truly like targeted racially and sensitive. Was um is Tales <laughs> from the Hood is one oh, of the best horror yeah. anthologies ever made. Screen Factory showing it. Yeah, to love, just just yeah, showed just it. Just love. They just released yeah. it. I mean, this film is incredible, and I feel like the stories are all great. Yep. Um, all solid. The wraparound is great. Everything is perfect about Corbin this movie. Corbin Burson was amazing. In yeah. Movie. I just I love it. David Allen Greer was great playing yeah. a very dark role. Yeah. I just I love this movie, and um, I'm gonna say two real quick that are non-genre. And before I pick my last genre pick, but um, just two comedies because they're my two of my favorites to watch with my family, um, and Christmas. And no one talks about except Adam is one of the ones is the movie Drop Dead Gorgeous with um Kirsten Dunst, Denise Richards, that is Ellen a Barkin. brilliant film. Yeah, yeah it, it, is. it is absolutely especially if you, my family's from the Midwest, it is so spot on. Yeah, it's, Kirsten Dunst recycles that uh that uh accent in season 2 of Fargo. Yeah, yeah. she does. But um I love that one and then my favorite Christmas film of all time is The Ref with Dennis Leary. Yes. And I, I feel like it every no, Christmas, yeah, yeah. Nobody talks about it like as a Christmas movie and it is absolutely Perfect. I love it. Um, Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey is yeah, very good. So, yeah. yeah, it's great. Um, a great Annette Bain, uh, uh or not Annette Bain. Yeah, I no, can't remember her name. Oh, she has very odd hair. Yeah, I know yeah it's about. yeah, it is. But she's great. Um, just a great cast. And then because I just got speaking of Arrow, finally my deluxe, super deluxe edition of my all-time favorite Italian slasher film, Motherfucking Pieces. Which, no matter how much it's been released, and people, I still feel it's under the radar every time. It is probably the most fun I've ever had watching an older, like, slasher film. It is so just, ridiculous. It's hard for me to think that Arrow Kit one, the Arrow UK one, can improve on Grindhouse. No, it's not going to. I'm just excited because yeah. I finally got the fucking puzzle. I was yeah. going to say, and, did it come with a puzzle? Or yeah, I was gonna it comes with that. the puzzle in the gift box and with the deluxe cool. um, yeah, limited it was, vinyl. It was stupid of Grindhouse not with the puzzle in everyone. Well, yeah, well, diabolic and that. Obviously, we talked about that one time, like yeah. the whole uh, on one of the podcasts. But I just really wanted that puzzle. I really wanted the vinyl. But I just, also because Arrow does throw some additional stuff, but yes, the Grindhouse version of it. But I just feel like pieces, and it's funny, when we did our podcast a while back at the Phoenix Comic Con, I remember somebody mentioned, I couldn't believe I forgot, so I wasn't going to forget this time. I I just find pieces to be, like, is the, one of, like, Dead Alive is one of the other ones, but, like, I could watch this with en- anyone, and everyone would have fun. Because right. it's just so over the top. So, um, you know, there's tons more I'm sure I could list, and Maybe we can put this online someday with some expanded lists or something like that or, or talk about it again. But awesome. Joshua, I think we need to gain oh, some knowledge. All right. Drop the mad science. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, I've, mine are not going to be nearly as deep cuts as your guys's probably, but they are ones that um, I absolutely really, really love and that I just don't hear talked about um, that much. Um, you know, it's, you know, the first one might actually be kind of the deepest one, um, which is a movie called Arena. Are you guys familiar with this movie? Oh, yeah. 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 What a classic um, empire. I freaking love that movie. Um, and it's, you know, I mean, it's something it's super easy to see if you're interested. I mean, you can get it on, like, there's like a four pack of these kind of like mm-hmm. low budget movies yeah. um, on Amazon for like six bucks or something. Um, but I recently picked it up on VHS. 
Uh, this was one of those movies. I mean, it's it's listed as 1989. I don't remember ever it actually having it, seeing it released until like the early 90s. So I kind of have a feeling it's one of those movies that came. It was made in 89, but then just kind of sat on shelves for a little bit. Um, but it I, actually went out of Empire went out of business. Really? There's okay. a book about the history of Empire that was put out a while back, and it uh, it was actually one of the most expensive movies. Wow. They put it in as like a serious feature. Yeah, well, I I think it's great. Um, and I originally saw this movie late night on cable. Nice. Um, and this was a long and and you know, forgive me if I don't know, but but so because it feels a lot like movies like Robot Jocks. Is that also Empire? Yes, it is. Yeah, okay, so that makes <laughs> yeah. sense, right? Um, so it's it's that that same kind of vibe of just I don't know, man. These are low budget like movies with very low production quality that are kind of way better than they should be. Um, you know, I felt the same way about Robot Jocks and Robot Wars, um, you know, and, and definitely feel this way about Arena. Um, but the pedigree it, that is involved in Arena, I mean, so this is written by Danny Bilson and Paul Bonello, um, which these guys... They did the Flash TV exactly, show. Exactly, which I loved. I loved the Flash television show. They also wrote The Rocketeer. Yeah. Um, oh, so, nice. I mean, these guys... They also did... <laughs> this is a super deep cut. They did a when I was a like a teenager. They did a TV show based on the DC character, the Human Target, really? starring Rick Springfield. <laughs> oh, that's incredible! Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know these are guys. David that... Carradine was the main villain. Oh, man. it was like a three episode. It was like eight of... episodes, right? Yeah. yeah. Lasted longer than Mantis. Yeah, um, which I also like. Right? Yeah, totally. Mantis, Mantis is good, man. Um, but you know, it's just it's just one of those things, and I also really loved it because I was a huge fan of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, and there are two actors from Star Trek: oh, Deep nice. Space Nine: Scott Armin Shimmerman, who plays Quark, and then uh, Mark Alimo, um, who plays Gold Ducat in DS Nine, also is in the film, and he's like the main bad guy in the movie. But it's just this is everything I really, really love. I mean, I'm a huge sci-fi geek, like old heavy metal magazine kind of things. I mean, if I could boil down what one of my most ideal type of aesthetics it would be like the in the heavy metal movie the captain stern segment you know crazy like just a you know a, a space station out in the middle of space with a bunch of crazy aliens on it that's just a fun kind of thing that's kind of why i love guardians of the galaxy so much is it kind of scratches that same type of bitch but arena i mean very it's straightforward it's about like an arena on a space station where the you know basically you have two people fighting and you've got like you know different aliens and then there's a human who's like the first human who can ever actually compete um but there's some... that was the actual tagline wasn't it <laughs> yeah, like... yeah yeah it's like it's like there's never been a human champion until now or something like that um it's like man versus monster arena uh but it's just super cool because there's all these little interesting details like they've got the um you know, like they've got a handicap system, so they actually have these force fields around them, right? So that they can actually have these super big monsters fighting a human, so they're like handicapped. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, this this movie's awesome, and it's also got Claudia Christian in it, um, who I just you know I love Claudia Christian. So you know, just it's, that movie I think is tremendous. If you like, again, if you haven't seen this movie and you like that, I guess Empire kind of uh, thing, you know, the the, the robot jocks that whole thing i think you'd really dig it it's definitely late night cable tv kind of that kind of thing but again i just think it's it's written very well i think that if this movie would have been high budget you wouldn't have known that it was originally this kind of like b movie it's just one of those things where they did the best with what they had 
um, and it's it, it has a charm to it. Um, so I, I I love Arena, um, and then some of the other ones. I mean these uh, these ones I'm sure are going to be for you guys uh, old hat. Okay, um, but in a lot of the times when I talk to people that may not be as into cult film. Um, these are some of the first ones I mention, and these people, like, all the time, people are like, oh, I've never seen that movie. Um, so the first one is going to be the 1988 The Blob. Um, Great choice. I adore this film, and it is so criminally underseen, because you have even the same group of people that will have a discussion about things like The Thing, you know, or they'll talk about, you know, getting like a lot the of the fly. Part. Yeah, you, the you, fly. The three remakes of the 80s. Yeah. And right. this one should be included. Exactly. And it never is. And it's so good. I mean, it's a brutal film. The Just the way that the blob just dissolves people. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that it's got Kevin Dillon in it playing mm-hmm. like the, the straight With guy. The curly bad boy. Mullet. I know. It's so good. But it's just one of those self aware films that it's like, it's such a good remake. It does the remake well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and for people that don't know the pedigree behind this, this is from uh, Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont, uh, who it, this was right after they did Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Mm-hmm. And this was the project they did right after that. And obviously people would know who Frank Darabont is. I mean, yeah. The Mist and Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile and all of that stuff, um, you know, and you could just tell Frank Darabont's love of Stephen King coming out through this i mean it's essentially a stephen king story that's not a stephen king story um but it's just hilarious it's gross it's really brutal um and again it's something that i just don't feel is getting the same love that it should not along the lines of something like the thing or like you brought up like the fly those kind of things um so yeah definitely i love the blob it's a good choice great yeah for sure and then another one and this is one of my all-time favorite films i've got a poster of this the original one sheet on my wall but is 1987's the hidden oh Um, it's so good like great one too this film in my opinion should be in the pantheon like i don't understand how this is because again it's the people who own it really don't really it's not out on blu-ray or anything yeah it was just a dvd i have the two uh movie dvd yeah so that is interesting i mean actually because that you know that's the second time you brought that up and i think that's an interesting thing to kind of tackle is accessibility accessibility is key movies become lost if they're not available Yeah, absolutely. So I even mean, movies that like were considered like definitive cult films, like mm-hmm. in the '90s, when I first started getting into it, like because at the time they were everything was on VHS. That was like right, you know. And now it's like, oh, if it's not on, I mean, fine. Oh, it's only on DVD. Like, there's this whole idea that if it's not on Blu-ray, then somehow the movie isn't worthy of being seen because oh, it's yeah, not on that so format. Because, I mean, you can totally get The Hidden on DVD for very inexpensive. It's not a very hard film to get. And guys, I mean, if you haven't seen The Hidden, go see The Hidden. This film, I mean, it's got Kyle MacLachlan in it. I mean, it's... it's, uh, Michael Nori. Yeah, absolutely. Claudia Christian. Um, it's a uh, yeah another Claudia Christian film. Yeah, exactly. It's her first movie. (laughs) Yeah, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, But, you know, I mean, this is just... This is a... uh, An alien you know kind of a like a like like a sci-fi crime thriller i always of. feel like this should be the companion piece to repo man it yeah should get yeah. the same respect absolutely to me it's it's just the same yes tremendous incredible soundtrack i mean the soundtrack yeah, to this yeah. movie is so freaking legit 
Um, you know, and you don't find that a lot in a lot of these 80 movies. It's got, they go kind of heavy on the cheese. Yeah. And this is absolutely, but what I love the most about it is, and I actually brought up this when we talked about our video game movies as a movie that's not a video game movie, but it's basically, to me, a video game. Yeah. This is like the best Grand Theft Auto movie <laughs> that, that we haven't had. Because what do you do when you get in Grand Theft Auto, right? You go and you cause trouble. You listen to loud music. You blow things up. And this is what happens. You have this alien that can inhabit different bodies. Yeah. And what it wants to do is party hard, drive fast, listen to loud music, blow stuff up, just have an absolute blast. It's there to just cause havoc. Um, and it wants, you know, the, it wants to take over the world because it thinks it'd be fun. Um, and so, yeah, the hidden absolute gem. Uh, again, if you haven't seen the hidden, rush out, do however you can. My favorite thing mm -hmm. about this movie, and it comes down a good direction, is I've seen movies that riff on this whole idea like the body snatching kind of like or a puppet master type of thing right it's even robert heinlein's puppet masters the movie with donald sutherland does you know like you know the what there's a specific term for them but just like you know puppet kind of aliens that you know, mm -hmm. the thing that makes this movie really work is in the direction of especially kyle mclaughlin and later on um the guy when there's a part in this movie basically where it takes over this guy who has high blood pressure right. and has like a heart attack. So mm -hmm. he keeps having heart attacks on the body. And you see like yep. his veins collapse and stuff, you know, and then he's, as he's trying to get around, like, you know, you can see he's having symptoms of chest pains and the alien keeps trying to move it. Yep. Little things like that. And then it takes over Claudia Christian. Right. And what's the first thing it does? It feels its chest. Yeah. Exactly. It, it's just like one of those things. And, and she puts on, you know, it, when it dresses her, cause she's a stripper. So she dresses her to get out. She stole the alien stole a red Ferrari. Right. So when the alien takes over Claudia Christian's body, it dresses her in all red to yeah. match yes. the car like yes. it's an accessory. It's and so it's such good. a little thing mm -hmm. like that. It's like, oh yeah. Well the human is clearly the right. accessory. Let let me make it match the car. Exactly. I mean, you know, in the part where it's like in the in the beginning when it's like it's driving and there's this getaway happening and he totally swerves out of the way to hit somebody in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I mean it's just it's such a fun movie. Yeah, and it is. It, yeah, it's absolute blast. So yeah, definitely check out the hidden. And then my last one, it's not a genre pick, but this is absolutely one of my favorite films of all time, and I swear this one just seems lost to time, maybe because it's it's not a genre film. I don't know if it's a rights thing, but it's um, 1996's The Trigger Effect, um, which I vaguely remember. I vaguely one. remember right. this one too. So yeah. The Trigger Effect also, I, I I guess we're playing like Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of thing, but this also mm -hmm. has Kyle MacLachlan in it, uh -huh. um, and uh, it's also got Elizabeth Shue and Dermot Mulroney um, and Michael Rooker, who is tremendous in the film. But the general conceit of this film is very simple. It's that there is a, um, a a power outage that happens, and the world loses power. Uh. Nobody understands why. It's never explained in the film, and it's just what happens with this family when the power goes out. What do they do? Um, and it's just, it's a beautifully written film. This is the first film that was written and directed by David Kep. Um, you know, who David Kep, of course, wrote, the, the screenplay for Jurassic Park. He wrote um, uh, the uh, Mission Impossible, right? I mean, David Kep is, he writes all these incredible films, uh, but he'd never directed anything. And this is the first film that he wrote and directed. Um, and he followed this up with Stir of Echoes, uh, which he also wrote and directed. 
Um, but I just feel this film is so tight, just scene by scene. This is somebody who you could tell that he'd had this movie in his head for a long time and wanted to make this movie happen. And all the performances are tremendous. It's not a long movie. It's about 90 minutes, and it's just so tight, beautifully, beautifully done. What's it called? The Trigger Effect. Hmm. Yeah, so that one is, again, just a great film. I'm sure it's an easy one to get your hands on um, to see, but I absolutely adore it. And for a long time, it was my number one movie of all time until I, I oh, saw wow. the light, light and realized that it, it's clearly Blade Runner. But, I mean, for <laughs> probably about three years from 1996 to 1999, Trigger Effect was my number one wow. period. So, yeah. you know, one I thought of real quick that I just wanted to mention was is that it is interesting how many remakes there were because of those directors growing up at that time. Another one is Embarrass from Mars. Oh, God. That touches on both the whole, like, pod Which people bankrupted thing. canon. I yeah. love that movie. That movie gets a lot of hate, but yeah. I think... No I, way. I, that movie's I, awesome. Yeah, I think it's yeah. awesome. Toby, yeah. Hooper. Toby Hooper kills it. Um, it's so good. And, I mean, the... the oh, who's... The Nurse Ratchet? Who's... Yeah. I can't remember her name. Uh, Louise Fletcher. Yeah, she yeah. is so scary in that movie. And I'll yeah. say for the fucking weirdest alien movie, one I did forget off my list, but I recently reconnected with love, is Extro. Which oh, is yeah, the yeah, strangest yeah. alien horror movie yeah, I we, think I ever we, saw. I think that came up when we were talking about The Void uh, two Yeah, weeks ago. I think we did, yeah. We did talk about it. Yeah, no, it's really funny when you watch the Electric Boogaloo, the history of canon uh-huh. films. It's, it's, they're interviewing Toby Hooper, and he, he's just like, I just think Menachem was was so angry at me. <laughs> it's oh, like, that's a that's a good Toby Hooper. <laughs> yeah, that's a great documentary. While oh, while so he good. sips a Dr Pepper. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I have I have a few. I'll, I'll try to go through them quickly so um, we can you know you guys can uh, compile this list and get to shopping. So I have a few here. Um. So one that uh, I really enjoyed a lot that um I don't know how available it is. I don't know if it's on Blu-ray, but I remember when it came out on DVD, like you could find it everywhere, is uh, this 1997 Jonas Ackerlin movie called Spun that has uh, oh, yeah. Brittany oh, Murphy. That movie. It's a, that's a tweaker movie, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, it has yeah. Brittany Great Murphy movie. and Jason John Schwartzman. And uh, for those who don't know, Jonas Ackerlin was like this huge music video director in the 90s. Like every cool video you can think of, like all the cool Bjork videos, he directed all of them. And this movie is basically about uh, Jason Schwartzman and, and uh, Brittany Murphy doing uh, heroin. But or it's, it, uh, it, well, isn't it Crystal Meth? Uh, I think it's... I think it's heroin. Is it? Okay. I don't remember, but it it's might... It's a tweaked out movie yeah, for yeah. heroin. I'm pretty sure it's Crystal Meth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's heroin because not that I know or anything. No, no, no. but it's just like it's just the lifestyle of uh, being, you know, on drugs, and right. it's it's weird because these kinds of movies were weirdly popular in the '90s. Just like yeah, they get into adventures and stuff, but just like the visuals of this movie are really freaky and interesting. And I think it, these all hit ahead when Requiem for a Dream came out. And yeah. That's the oh, this is the movie that's like the really trippy movie that's dark. Spun the is ultimate kind of, anti-drug PSA. Yeah, and I think Spun is also in that, but I feel like it's a little more artsy, but a little more thoughtful. If you've never seen it, you should go check it out. It's not really a genre movie, but just like the direction, the color palette. It's a really... It's a crazy movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, Along those lines, I think this one's also from the late 90s. It might have been the early 2000s. It's uh, 
Val Kilmer movie. It's called uh, The Salton Sea. Oh, I love that movie, dude. And it's uh, the first movie by DJ Caruso, who doesn't he isn't doing like you know super great movies now, but for a while he was just like doing like really cool movies. I like know, dude, Dis- I, I love Disturbia. Disturbia. I think Disturbia yeah. is underrated, honestly. Yeah, yeah, Disturbia, Eagle Eye, all these now, really Eagle cool Eye, movies back when Shia LaBeouf was like really yeah, on fire. Right. Well, he's coming back into his own now, but Salton Sea is like a really it's a weird southwestern noir movie right. with Val Kilmer, who plays a cop who falls into doing like crystal meth and all this mm-hmm. stuff, and he's trying to take down um, uh, this uh, meth dealer named Pooh Bear, played by uh, I think it's Vincent D'Onofrio. And the reason they yeah. call him that is because he did so much coke that his nose rotted off. Yeah, so he has, yeah, a, it's plastic a metal nose. nose. Yeah, it was a plastic. Yeah, but it's like a really cool movie. Like it's it's also one of those movies where every single person in this movie now is really famous, mm-hmm. and you could never make it today. But at the time, it's just like oh wow, and then it's just a really good. Al Kilmer was the big get. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, but he's really good in this. It's just oh, one yeah. of those things where it's like oh man, it's a really depressing movie too. But mm-hmm. it's it's a but it's good. You know? beautifully shot too. yeah i mean exactly. it really is it, it, it to me it reminds me of um that's it, it kind of fits in the same wheelhouse as something like slc punk to me yeah that's which what is i was gonna like, say about spun yeah, yeah. yeah. there's also that yeah. kind of, you know there was these kind of movies that were i mean they were kind of indie right you know yeah. it's like um but you know it was like even like late indie scene movies um, but yeah, the great pick with the salt. I actually movie. thought you were gonna say "Kiss Kiss Bang Bang." For oh, that's a great movie. It's a really good movie, but I I feel like that one's been rediscovered, right? Especially yeah. with Shane Black's chair sure. on an upswing right now. Um, this one is from 2011. It's a movie from Spain. It's directed by uh, this guy named Alex de la Iglesia, and it's called The Last Circus. Mm-hmm. And it's basically. Um, I mean, and they interviewed him about this, and he kind of basically admitted it's like, what would happen if Spider-Man's origin actually happened to, like, just uh, somebody working in a circus sideshow? And it's really crazy. It's got, like, deformed clowns. It's got a circus sideshow. It's really good. Um, I have it. It's an amazing movie. It's super rewatchable. Um, the guy, Alex Iglesias, all of his movies are just like really crazy and really fun. Um, Cemetery Man, clear, or Delamore, take Delamore. It's from 1997. It was directed by, uh, Michelle Suave, who's in the Lucio Fulci movie, um, City of the Living Dead. Um, his girlfriend is the one who throws up her intestines and her eyes start <laughs> bleeding. He's the guy in the car with her mm-hmm. whose head gets crushed by the evil priest. But basically it has Rupert Everett. Um, before he had all the plastic surgery, and he's playing a straight guy. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and it, yeah, um, he it, he works for uh this small town in Italy with his assistant Nagi, and their job is basically other uh, the caretakers of the cemetery. It's a cemetery where everybody who gets buried there comes back from the dead. So it's like, what if uh, Pet Cemetery was an actual cemetery and somebody's job it was to make sure everybody stayed dead? <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, and then it's it's not it's not it's weird because it's not like a horror movie. I would say it's like a dark fantasy movie because the whole crux of the movie is that there's this old guy who gets buried there and he has a young trophy wife and he uh and uh. The, actress's name is Anna Fulci. I don't think there's any relation mm-hmm. to Lucio Fulci. 
but he like falls in love with her and this chick is like beautiful like smoking hot like even now i'm like damn that was a really hot girl (laughs) and um you know he falls in love with her and then she ends up dying when you know her husband the husband comes back and accidentally and he's like destroyed right but he keeps being haunted by her as a ghost, as a vampire. He meets other girls who look exactly like her. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just crazy. And there's just like weird subplots in there. Like there's one of he meets one of the girls who looks like her, and she falls in love with him because she thinks he's impotent. Wow. And uh, he clearly isn't. He has a giant penis, which is a point <laughs> that comes up in the movie. And uh, so he goes to a doctor to make sure to have himself chemically castrated so he can oh be a God. perfect eunuch for her and then he goes uh, he goes to find her and says oh i'm it's like i have to tell you i was raped last night oh, and he's no. like oh no like, but i found out i really like sex oh and it's just weird it's just oh. a weird dark it's like a, ass it's like twilight zone ironic his, his assistance and uh gain a little head there yeah. Um, but there's uh, <laughs> oh yeah i don't want to spoil it yeah but, yeah, the, but it's great but, i mean like death shows up the ending is the most oh over yeah, the it, top. I, this the ending of this movie like literally blew my mind the first time so i'm like oh my what the fuck dude yeah it's just a fucked up ass bleak ending but it's like to, it's not that's what i mean it's not a horror movie it's like just a weird fantasy movie right and it's really it's really ambitious especially for its time and just like I think it really holds up well. So um, you can find it. It's not um, on Blu-ray in the U.S., but if you go like on Amazon.co.uk, the German version is all region, and it's pretty cheap. Like I think it's like twenty bucks or something, and it doesn't cost that much to get it shipped over here. That's how I got my copy. Um, what else? Here's another one along the same lines of uh, dark movies. Um, it this movie is called. Uh, it's by this director named Trent Hama, who hasn't really done any movies since. And it's called a Dead Girl. Oh, oh that's a great one. Yeah, yeah it's from a 2008, and uh, it starts. That's, that's a fucked up movie. Oh, it's too. a fucked up movie, but it's one. It's very underrated. Like I said, right. you're talking about. Oh, what's a really scary, unsettling movie? This one is. It stars. So... It has a Shiloh Fernandez who uh, was in um, the what's that red robin the robin red, little red riding hood movie with uh, oh, amanda, amanda seyfried yeah. yeah um and when i went to sundance he was in this movie called skateland that was really good that got a limited release um but he's in things and it stars noah segan who's in like every uh rian johnson movie oh right okay yeah so um right Rain Johnson plays this character named JT, and him and uh, Shiloh's characters, uh, Shiloh's characters named Ricky, and they're exploring, and they find this girl chained to a bed, naked, who's very voluptuous and hot, you know. And then, you know, they oh, we should let her go, and it seems like she's really feral. Um, it turns out she's also a zombie, and there's a big part of this movie where it's like, oh, well, let's have sex with her. Right. And this is just like this weird um, relationship with like, oh, let's use horror as a um, coming of age. Coming of age motif thing. And it's about agency and everything. And along the line, Noah Segan's character decides, oh, if she's a zombie, we need to find a way to make a fresher one that we can fuck. <laughs> and it's, it's like I said, 
it's not <laughs> lighthearted. The, like mm-hmm. actually examines these issues, and then the ending is really like you know kind of depressing, but it's weird. It's a good movie though. Like it's you want to see a movie that's gonna make you think and go, oh shit, I don't know. Then this is a good one to check right, out. Right. Um. Let me see what else do I have here. I got three more. Um, the Doom Generation. Yeah, from nineteen ninety five. This is Rose McGowan's first movie. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Shayish's first movie. Um, it's like as if nineteen ninety five were a movie. Yeah. Right. Um, also an it, IFC classic. Yeah, right? it's very hard to like describe this movie. Basically, the easiest way to describe it is it follows three characters as they travel around the country and their last names. Uh, I mean, it's like Amy Blue, uh, Xavier Red, and Jordan White, Red, White, and Blue, yeah. mm-hmm. as they, uh, you know, travel across the U.S. and come into adventures. Um, the soundtrack for this movie, like, is amazing. Like, literally half the music I like is because of this being exposed to this movie when I was really wow. young. And uh, just, it, it's another one of those, every single person in this movie is famous. Yeah. Like, literally, every they run into, like, Margaret Cho, they run into Perry Farrell, mm-hmm. um, Parker Posey. Yeah, like, 1995. Yeah, yeah nope. it, it, it's crazy. But, and then the whole, there's, every time they run into, they go somewhere, everybody thinks that Rose McGowan's character is a girl that they used to be, you know, like an ex of theirs that fucked them over. And it's like, I'm sure it's like a bigger motif for like the 90s where like every girl was like the proto punk girl Mm -hmm. but along the way one of the people they run into were nazis who decide that they need to uh castrate jordan and they turn they're trying to kill him they're just running across from them and it's just like it's a crazy movie and xavier kills everybody it sounds random it's very random but it's a really good movie like if you want to see like fucking 90s in a nutshell right this is the movie yeah totally. and it's there's just some really cool stuff it's like a horror movie it's an action movie it's a romantic movie all in one you will never get sick of it once you yeah. watch it it's really good i remember i watched this movie the first time because my friend was like dude rose mcgowan shows her boobs in this movie i'm like oh that's sold <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the infamous bathtub scene yeah um Let's see what else. Uh, so this is a movie that it recently got issued on Blu-ray by Warner Archive of all places. I feel it's like super underrated. This is like one of my favorite like horror movies of the '90s. It's Abel Ferrara's 1993 version mm. of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, my man, that is just, such a good movie. It's, dude. it's just called Body Snatchers: The yep. Invasion Continues, and. People hated it. like I, I'll I'll put let me put this just frame this for you. When this movie came out, Warner Brothers sunk a ton of like the effects in this movie are amazing, and it came out. And again, the movie Abel Ferrer did right before this was Bad Lieutenant, right? And Warner Brothers and they do this a lot now. Like, oh, a guy makes an interesting indie film. Let's give him a ton of money to make a like a tentpole movie for us. What they got was like you know a very expensive rumination on conformity mm-hmm. and you know it's it's very true to the source material but it's mm-hmm. basically an art house film dealing with conformity with really cool effects and warner the people who ran warner bros at the time hated this fucking movie with a passion to the point where when it came out it was released in exactly six theaters oh. in the u.s wow. i saw it because one of the theaters where it played 
happened to be right by my house. Like, literally, it was, like, two miles away from my house. And I, my dad used to just, like, drop me off at the theater and be like, all right, I'll pick you up in the in the evening. <laughs> and I sat there and watched it, and I can tell you, uh, you know, like, 93, I was probably, like, I don't know, 13 or 14 or something. This is probably the first time I saw full frontal nudity in a movie. Oh, and it wow. was the mom. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> mom. Oh, and also Gabrielle Anwar. They both oh, right. are, yeah. Yeah, that's full true. Full nudity in this that, movie. That's, that's true, because, yeah, yeah, later, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. And, I, but it's just, like, the effects <laughs> in this are, like, are, like, you, you see what happens when, like, the pod person is grown, like, the right. person is just, like, mm-hmm. this little kid comes and starts shaking, mommy, mommy, and then, like, literally falls no. apart God. to this day like i wonder how they do it. like so basically good. like a balloon or something like pop like a weird pinata and literally he's like ah he's screaming as he's right. screaming at his dead mother it, her naked double comes out like come on baby i'll put you to bed right. freaky right. it's a freaky ass movie and then like the kid runs downstairs like no no that isn't my mommy right. and they're like Nah, go to bed. Right. Just like <laughs> well, the idea of taking the body snatchers, and for people that don't know, you're taking the body snatchers idea, but it's on a military Terry base yeah. where conformity you know? is right. encouraged. And how are you going to tell? Because not only conformity is encouraged, but no emotions are encouraged. Yeah. And and I mean, oh my god, it's such a great film, and the film looks amazing. It's yeah. Shot so beautifully. It's so creepy, and it was actually kind of funny because I was rewatching um, Rogue One recently. Yeah. Okay. And there's the part where you have uh, Forrest Whitaker playing Saw Gerrera. Yeah. And there's a part that I swear to God is almost like a throwback to Body Snatchers, where it's like Saw Gerrera's like, did you, are you working for them? You know, and he has yeah. this look like, and there's like that exact scene of Forrest Whitaker yeah. in Body Snatchers where he's like, did they send you? You know, and it's like yeah. that whole kind of thing of like, he has that look of like, wait a minute, did you just betray me? Yeah. Oh, man. There's a lot of that in this movie, and it's really weird. Like, there's a scene where this little kid, man, I don't think he ended up doing anything else, but he says so much through this, and they keep putting him in fucked up scenes Dude, over and over. What about where the, the scene, preschool? I'm going to talk the, about the yeah, preschool right do. now. Best scene in the so, movie. He, they're, he's in, they're putting him in preschool, right? And then the teacher's like, oh, let me see what you did with your finger paintings, right? <laughs> so the, the, they all hold up their drawing. And all these little kids, it's finger paints. Right. Every kid did the exact yeah. same finger painting. And that's that's when you re- accept him. And that's when you realize, right. oh, this is how they yeah. find out who isn't one of them. Right. Well, and, they, and he's holding up and he's the only one in class. And he's holding up this picture of like him and his house and his family. Yeah. And everybody and, else is like this abstract pattern. And it's pattern. just quiet. Yeah. And it's like this quiet moment, like nothing's happening. And he's just like looking around at everybody else's pictures. And he doesn't understand what's yeah. going on. Is what makes yeah. He's like. Yeah, exactly. You know, but there's just a lot of that. And like, uh, like every scene that like. All the buildup in this movie is like just amazing. Right. Like there's a so it takes over uh the guy's wife. It takes Terry Kinney, who is like the warden on Oz. Yeah, yeah. And Meg Tilly is his wife, who's like a total like like dippy hippie until she gets turned and she just like dead emotion. Cold. And it's Where are you gonna go? Where are you gonna Oh run? yeah. My Where are you gonna hide? before it gets to that, you know, like uh, you know, it's like he has his teenage daughter who's played with Gabrielle and Noir, who's like, you know, staying in, and, and, you know, they're having teenage issues too, which again, this is all very smart. Like, so she's like, you know, you want a back rub. So it's like, you know, so she's giving a back rub and he's just telling her all his misgivings. And you realize, oh, she's just trying to lull him into sleep. 
and then like oh you're such a good listener i love and you. he and she's like uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah right you too yeah. uh-huh. and she's and, got a blank face yeah like it might as he might as well be like you know married like it, it might as well just be like a like a zombie or like a robot right yeah love you too that's right relax it's just weird and yeah. it's and, and later on like they they have these scenes where it just like takes advantage of the fact that they're at a military base mm-hmm. where like they're rounding up people like concentration camps that's like, yeah. and they're just have the full like medical where like they're strapping people down till so they can uh be replaced yeah. by it. and then you see them like uh there's a part where arlie ermy who's the head of the base he they're just shipping out like trucks of pods and, like Fort Monroe, Virginia. Yep. Fort Knox, Kentucky. It, Such a great idea to move it to a military base. Yeah, and and I mean, really, how ballsy is it? After I mean, because seriously, it was ballsy to make the nineteen seventies Kaufman Invasion yeah. of the Body Snatchers, which is a a tremendous film. Yeah. Okay, so that was ballsy on its own, and then to do another remake and, yeah. and have it be completely different and tremendous as well. And for a while, it seemed like, oh, this is. I was excited. Cause, oh, every ten years going to do one, and then the two thousands they did Ooh. Nicole Kidman, and that. Yeah. I this was a string of of like years like where every movie Nicole Kidman did was a remake, mm-hmm. and it was a bad one, yeah. and it just ruined the appreciation. And that's like probably one of the last two movies on my list. One of the movies Nicole Kidman made a remake of was The Stepford Wives. Oh, yeah. And the original Stepford Wives, it, which thankfully thinks the movies like Get Out is being rediscovered, right. is a really good movie. It's deliberately paced, um, but uh, the main character in Joanna, who's, uh, I forget the actress, the name of the actress who plays her, but basically it's um, uh, Dustin Hoffman's love interest in The Graduate, mm-hmm. and she's also Donnie Darko's psychiatrist. Right. Catherine Ross is her name, and she's really good in this because basically it's just like Get Out, where she's like an artist and she's afraid of like you know if she moves to this town and you know with her husband he's just moving there to get like a foothold. Like I don't want to lose my agency. I'm a photographer and my eye is important to me, and I just mm-hmm. want to be remembered. And that there's a scene where she specifically tells her psychiatrist that at the end none of that happens and it's so devastating and right. it's such a good movie but because stepford wives was such it's it's stepford wives the nicole kidman version is an example of the jean-claude van damme street fighter right phenomenon where it's a fucking terrible movie but they keep it stays in print perpetually because oh i remember liking that movie you go to like any grocery store. You go to Best Buy. It's right there when you <laughs> check out, yeah. and it'll always be in print. And it's one of those because the original Stepford Wise never even made it to Blu-ray. It was one of the very first DVDs when Video Paradise went out of business. I got one. It came it was the DVDs from like 1997. Wow, it's like a 20 early, year old yeah. DVD. Wow, never been on Blu-ray. It never will be. You know, because right. it's owned by like uh, Procter and Gamble. Really? Do you think Procter and Gamble is in the business of like, oh yeah, let's reissue this movie on like DVD or they, Blu-ray? Uh, they're, they're the uh, Pepto Bismol people, right? Yeah, yeah. okay, you yeah, know, it, it makes sense. Yeah, it's just one of those things where I'm like, why? And like, but yeah, that's a very underrated movie. It's very hard to find. Some people, I think, sometimes people upload it to like YouTube. It's not on any streaming thing, mm-hmm. but if you come across a DVD, you should definitely get it. And the very last movie I want to talk about is one from, I think, a few years ago. And it's called Detention. And it's directed by Joseph Kahn, another video director who did the movie Torque. Oh, 
All right. It was a classic. So Detention, I love this movie. It's it's a very it's a lot like the Doom Generation. Oh my god! And it's uh about it's about these kids who are going to this high school and involves stuff like time travel. A big part of it is this meta commentary on slasher movies. Uh, it's like a take on modern internet culture, like selfies and texting and all that stuff. But at the same time, it's just like a commentary on shitty movies, too. It's like, Oh, my God. I know which movie you're talking about. I watched this on Netflix. That is a crazy movie. Yeah. it's. A, I really liked it. It's really good, too. Yeah. And, and it's just like trying to describe it to people is really hard. Mm-hmm. It got a really shitty, like, it didn't get released in theaters. It got, like, maybe, like, when it played here, it only played at Arizona Center for, like, one week. Right. And finding the Blu-ray is kind of hard. But it's on Netflix, and it's a really good movie. It has the guy uh, from The Hunger Games in it, um, and like Dane Cook plays yeah. the high school principal. It has the whole nostalgia thing right. going for it. There's a part where one of the characters explains the plot of The Matrix to somebody in the <laughs> '80s and goes, "That's just stupid." <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I if I would have known that this was from the same director as Torque, it probably would have actually helped me yeah. understand a little bit more. Because you're right, it's got that same kind of insane kind of just uh mentality to it and a pace and everything it totally makes sense yeah it's, uh, but uh yeah i'm gonna rewatch that now knowing that it's the same guy at the tour because I, yeah. I definitely want to rewatch that but yeah that's the end of my list nice all right some good so yeah if you guys were taking notes like you you have some homework a lot now, to watch right yeah. no that's awesome I, there's a lot that i didn't know about there so i'm gonna definitely check in some yeah we'll sure. have to read coming in this might be a good go-to topic for the future for sure yeah for sure absolutely we'll have to watch some of these and we'll say oh i saw that and this is what i thought yeah, yeah. but uh you know any you guys have anything else you want to plug before we end this episode not just just hey, hey we watch American Gods. We'll discuss them more. We have more yes. episodes to watch. But best opening freaking credits I've seen in a long. Time. Yes, that totally yeah. Awesome. yeah. Kirby, anything you want to plug or promote? Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Listen to the House of Reach podcast on SoundCloud. Boom, boom. There you go. There's my plug. All right, so that's the end of this episode of Profile. If there's anything you guys think we would like based on our recommendations, feel free to let us know. We're always interested. And until next time, I am Victor Marino, along with Jasperino. Oh, yeah. Kirby. See you on Saturday at the thing. Next Saturday. Next Saturday. Mm -hmm. And Joshua T. Ruth. Yes, sir. And remember, folks, don't eat after midnight and stay dry.